Westlaw Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports, with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above, as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, gentlemen, uh, we have been through the entire Big Ten, uh, save for one. We have been through... All of Northwestern's non-conference opponents. We've been through the Big Ten teams we do not play. And that brings us to the end of the season. The last game on the schedule. Can we get some final countdown in the background here? (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll see if I can lay that down in post. Um, So the battle for the hat. The hat which has uh, made residence in Evanston the past four years in a row. Uh, the not so mighty Illini, um, come to town. Can, can I just say this? If we win, in addition to the hat, we should get Lovey Smith's beard. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Santa needs, it's is November 30th. Santa needs to get ready. Locks of love, Christmas man. Is, Locks of love. He can grow it back. Less than a month to Christmas, I man. Have, I don't know. I have faith. I was going to hold this for later, but as long as we're talking about it, um, this is this I think is 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 the year, or if it's not the year, it's the year before the year where Lovey Smith's buyout is starting to get down to a somewhat tangible level for the Illinois administration, and I don't have any direct knowledge of love how Lovey's own knowledge of the fact that his buyout is finally in a manageable place is affecting his own like day to day commitment. Toward the Illini, I don't. I don't know. What I can tell you is that Lovey basically showed up to the Big Ten luncheon, doing Dan Aykroyd, doing Santa Claus from Trading Places. <laughs> like, I, I, like I can neither confirm or deny that he took a salmon out of that beard and started chewing on it at some point. Um, let, let's just say if if I was looking for signs of a guy who's checked out. That that beard would be right where I'd start. I'm pretty sure our guys on the uh, Winning Cures Everything podcast talked about this. That he's he's basically not really around. Like I don't know where that, that info is exactly coming from, but they're talking about how he kind of lives far from campus. He drives in for practice, but he surely is not burning the midnight oil when it comes to recruiting or the film room. That's not really a surprise, I guess. Uh, but it does make that buyout story, John, like potentially pretty interesting. <laughs> well, uh, before we dive too far down that rabbit hole, John, um, tell tell me about the Illinois defense. Okay, oh boy, as as psyched up as I as I was for Nebraska earlier in the year, that will always be second best in this or any year to the time when I get to talk about the Illini. So before last season, we talked about how it was a testament to Nebraska and Maryland's god-awful 2017 defenses that Illinois somehow got even worse from 2016 to 2017 and yet somehow didn't reach the basement of the conference. And to that statement, Lovey Smith and Hardy Nickerson heartily replied, Hold our beers. Holy sweet sassy champagne cow patty molassy this defense wait wait can i so here, john can i submit a theory the grad <laughs> transferring do. of tito adenabo from illinois to miami 
where he actually put up pretty decent numbers. <laughs> I mean, that that might have had a much bigger impact to this D than we ever would have imagined. Scuzz, I hate to rain on your parade, but they could have had Tito Adenabo, Afadi Adenabo, <laughs> Jermaine Adenabo. I don't know how many other Adenabos there are. They could have had the entire Adenabo clan, and nary a difference would have been made. If Afadi would have done wonders uh, for this D. I, so, <laughs> to that argument, I reply, 13th ranked Rutgers gave up 31 points a game last year. Rutgers. Illinois gave up 39. 13th ranked Purdue gave up 452 total yards a game last year. Illinois gave up 508. 13th ranked Rutgers gave up an abysmal 215 rushing yards per game last year. And Illinois gave up 30 more rushing yards a game than that. Lovey really should send some flowers to Nick Holt at Purdue for manufacturing a pass defense that prevented Illinois from not literally being by far the worst in every single defensive category in the conference last year. This team was so friggin' bad. What's sad, and this is to my rebuttal of your aforementioned points, guys, there were actually several individually talented players in the 2018 unit. Wait, wait. John, before you go there, can I add one last comparison to Rutgers? Of so, course. Illinois did not have to play either Michigan nor Ohio State, who combined scored 94 points on Rutgers. Oh, and, and again, it's like, like those are nits we'd need to split if Rutgers and Illinois were close. They're not. Illinois, <laughs> Illinois was by far the worst of those two defenses. Um, but anyway... Back to back to this handful of guys who were just handcuffed to this team. Um, linebacker Delshawn Phillips and rush specialist Bobby Roundtree. Roundtree led the team in sacks and tackles for loss, and Phillips led the team in tackles and interceptions. If you take those two players out of the equation, Illinois started literally one other passable player. Linebacker Jake Hansen who put up 95 tackles and eight and a half tackles for loss. Good for him. That's seriously it. That's three guys. This is a team that had nine total interceptions, not made by Phillips, and an abysmal 11 sacks, not made by Phillips, Roundtree, and Hanson. You can't prove to me that those 11 sacks weren't just quarterbacks randomly slipping and falling over. Now, believe it or not, we are honestly, I'm not even joking, going to find out if Illinois can get worse than this. Phillips has graduated, and Roundtree suffered a spinal injury in the spring and will miss the season. That leaves Hanson. And if you think there's other talent Lovey and Hardy recruited to this team that is ready to step in, insert literally any tape of any Illinois football game from the past three years. Speaking of Hardy, he's out the door now because unlike Lovey, he doesn't have the aforementioned ludicrous buyout clause attached to his contract. So Lovey will be, quote, coaching the defense himself this season. Although, I'm not sure anyone's told him that means he can't take those sideline sunglasses naps anymore. Uh, but what I guess we'll find out. 
The most important thing when looking into 2019, I guess, is that Illinois has some transfers coming in, like linebacker Milo Eifler from Washington and Oluwale Batiku from USC. The fact that Illinois is expecting actual contributions from Batiku, who basically was hurt his entire career at USC and didn't play, should tell you all you need to know. Eifler should be decent, but probably not as good as Phillips, uh, a very good individual player for several years who really was truly cursed to have to play on this team. Regarding the secondary, three of the players who will start this year, Tony Adams, Stanley Green, and Nate Hobbs, combined for six pass breakups between them last year. I can't stress this enough. There is nothing here on this defense. Uh, you just It's just not possible to keep this team from giving up 500-plus yards a game uh, every game. It's, it's not possible. There's nothing here. I would just like to close my Illinois 2019 defensive preview by pointing out that the Illinois secondary also has defensive backs who transferred in from Cisco College, Missouri Baptist University, Prairie State College, and the College of DuPage County. The fact that I made one of those schools up and you can't tell me which one should sum up the Lovey Smith era better than any statistics possibly can. Oh, wow, that's Th- thank amazing. Thank you, John Oliver. Oh, um, man. God love the College of DuPage. <laughs> wow. Okay. Are you going to tell us which one you made up? <laughs> Prairie State College, for the record. Okay. Cisco, Cisco and Missouri Baptist apparently are, are places and, and places that Illinois apparently mines talent out of. Go loving. <laughs> well, it's because offensively, um, you know, there, there's a lot of buzz around this true freshman coming in, um, Isaiah Williams. I, should we make anything of that, or is, is this just smoke? Well, I, I think, yes, we should make a lot of it. Um, the stunning thing is that Brandon Peters has been named starting QB. So that's frankly unexpected from my perspective. We'll we'll get to that in a minute. Let's let's dig in first on this offense last year. Um they were 10th in scoring, 6th in yardage in the conference. And incredibly they achieved those those ranks uh with a 10.6 increase in points per game and an almost 50% increase in yardage. And they only got to 10th and 6th. Uh, they accomplished this with a ton of running and very, very little passing. Uh, A.J. Bush ended up being the primary starter at QB for the year. He ping-ponged with M.J. Rivers early on. You know, Bush was pretty good on his feet. He averaged five yards per carry, scored nine TDs, but he was really not great through the year. 54% completion percentage, six TDs, and yikes, 10 picks. Now, that said, he was pretty darn good against Northwestern in the first half of our game at the end of the year. At the time, my theory was that the Cats were just expecting a really heavy dose of the running game, uh, Reggie Corbin in particular, and then Bush on the ground. And we just, you know, gave Illinois all the underneath passes. And they took a lot of advantage of that. You know, obviously, as that game played out, their offense ground to a halt. But still, you know, they um, in a rivalry game, you just you just don't quite know what to happen, what what to expect. But it, Illinois' offense was far far worse throughout the year than than they showed in that game. Now, that being said, Corbin was uh, was pretty good last year. So he missed, he missed 2017, 
with injury, uh, and he greatly improved on his 2016 numbers. He rushed for over 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns, averaged 8.5 per carry. Hoo-wa. Uh, this year, Corbin is back, as are his backups. This running game looks to be really solid, and I think it is going to be the primary feature for Illinois, in part because I don't know how they're going to throw the ball. Now, same that freshman you mentioned, uh, the mercurial Isaiah Williams, freshman QB, four-star recruit. This dude had offers from literally everyone. Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Florida, Clemson, Florida State, Stanford, us, Texas, Texas A&M, essentially every single Power 5 team. He is the highest-rated recruit that Illinois has gotten since Aurelius Bend in 2007. Here's the catch. Illinois was the only team that would let Williams play quarterback. So, you can expect that this dude is going to have next-level athleticism and speed. Under no circumstances do you let him get into the open field. Do you remember Ron Zook's first year when Illinois basically ran the wing tee with Juice Williams, also named Isaiah, ironically, uh, Richard Mendenhall, and Aurelius Ben? This Williams can probably run the ball better than that Williams did. He has speed, he has moves, he's not afraid to lower the shoulder, but I think it is really telling that nobody else in the Power 5 would give this kid a shot at QB. Maybe it was a weird promise thing that like Illinois made a promise and nobody else would make a promise. They were like, oh, we'll let you try it or something, but... um. Bottom line, I think we can expect him to be really unpolished as a passer. Now, I just said a minute ago, he's not been named the starter. So Brandon Peters, former Michigan QB, uh, has been named the starter at Illinois. This is like late breaking news. This guy developed a bit of a cult following at Michigan because he came in and won three games during their disastrous 2017 year. However, those games were against, wait for it, Rutgers, Minnesota, and Maryland. Now, Rutgers was the only really good game, uh, and then he cratered against Wisconsin and South Carolina following those other two wins in which he was kind of mediocre. His completion percentage was low, lower than uh, A.J. Bush's last year, I might add. Uh, he didn't throw a lot of picks, but his yards per attempt was pretty low. He like he just didn't, didn't look like a great QB, and then he got beat out by Shea Patterson the next year at Michigan and, and Dylan McCaffrey. It was pretty clear he was going to be low on their depth chart. So now he's a junior. Uh, he hasn't played much. Those stats, you know, that I cited a minute ago, yes, they were his, from his true freshman year. Pedigree-wise, he's frankly an upgrade over what Illinois has had in any recent history. He's very immobile. Um, I, I'll just, I'll be honest. I think the temptation to play Williams is just going to be way too great. Honestly, these guys could bounce back and forth a, quite a bit during the year. They might even be planning to do something like that. As far as the passing game goes, you know, the receiving core is nothing special. Uh, they have Ricky Smalling. He's decent. He's back. Uh, he's a pretty small receiver. Um, they've got a guy named Trevon Sidney, a four-star grad transfer from USC. He could be a difference maker, but he's small and fast like Smalling. They are sorely missing a big target to attack downfield. Worth noting for Schadenfreude, uh, they got dumped by three other grad transfer recruits this summer. <laughs> when uh, when Sidney finally inked... Um, Signed his name on the line. It was the fourth time that they've been waiting for one of these high four-star, five-star receiver transfers to uh, to make good on their on their pledge to come back to Illinois. I, look, let's be clear: the recruiting here has just been really poor. There's not much depth. Uh, there's not much talent or pedigree. Like Sydney is certainly an interesting player. Like I mentioned, Smalling's decent, but like outside of Isaiah Williams, they just, all the recruits are either like on the defensive side or they're just not, not very good. 
So O-line, this is kind of like maybe a hope for them. Um, they were really, really good at blocking on at run blocking on passing downs last year. And that's about it. Even with four returning starters and a fifth grade transfer from Bama, interestingly, um, I just like, they're going to try to run on first down and it's going to be like, meh, they're going to try to run on second down. And it's going to be like, meh. And then they, they might surprise you occasionally on third down when they run instead of passing from like a third and 12 situation. But this is, this is just trouble. Um, I think given the true freshman QB, or the immobile situation with Peters is going to result in a sack rate that gets worse before it gets better. I I think the running game is is the only thing that they have going for them. It's going to put you know maybe some fear into folks. You look at what they did last year. They they hammered um, Minnesota. They did they did very well against Nebraska. Um, frankly, when they play Northwestern, they bring they bring a different level. The Illinois game last year took at least two and a half years off my life. But I just I just don't see any dramatic change to what we saw from last year, and I don't see a lot of upside. The 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 situation at QB is maybe a little bit concerning, but I mean the reality is is like there's just not going to be a, a reason to fear Illinois as, as a contender uh, in this in this division on on the offensive side. I mean you know they're a massive improvement from what two three years ago, but it's really no different from the rest of the post Ron Zook era in Champaign. So let's let's run through the Illinois schedule real quick. Uh, they open up the season at home against Akron. They go to UConn. They're home for Eastern Michigan and Nebraska. Then they get their bye week. They're at Minnesota, home for Michigan, home for Wisconsin. At Purdue, home for Rutgers. At Michigan State, bye week number two. Then they are at Iowa before closing the season at home against Northwestern. Um... Michigan and Michigan State cross divisions, uh, Rutgers as well. I don't know. If I'm Illinois, that's great. If if I have to take Michigan and Michigan State for a chance at a conference win at home against Rutgers, uh, I, I think that's that's fair. Otherwise, I, I mean, Illinois, realistically, Illinois' chances of getting a conference win. Um, there are a couple things. I feel like we've done this a bunch of the different pods. Um and I don't know, it's, it hasn't necessarily been deliberate, but let's juxtapose Illinois with Nebraska. And this will be yet another time, this happened a couple times, where Nebraska is by far the favorable thing here. Because the profile, bad defense, and then an exciting quarterback who can make things happen, we are heaping a ton of potential on Isaiah Williams Whereas, like, we've seen Adrian Martinez do it. We know Isaiah Williams is crazy fast. We also know no one else would let him play quarterback. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, Scuzz, you, I give you credit for erring on the side of possibility when it comes to Williams. But it's like, he, he also might not be able to throw. Um, the And so juxtaposing the two, the other thing is, again... Nebraska's defense was really bad last year, and Illinois was just in another state relative to awfulness. And when I look at this schedule, yeah, I know like they're, the beginning of the non-con is really weak. They probably will go 3-0 and through that stretch. You have to understand, every team that's a Big Ten team on their schedule, if there's a thing that team does— or can do well on offense, 
that team will do that thing fantastically well against Illinois. Like, when they go at Minnesota, Muhammad Ibrahim is going to rush for like 200 yards. All of these things that may or may not happen for these teams the rest of the year, like Michigan, Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor, 300 yards is easily on the table. Purdue, heavens to Betsy, 50 points. I mean, Illinois is going to have to score 50 points to win that game, I would imagine. Um, And it's like... Well, John, they they did hold Purdue to 46 last year. True. Yeah, but let's put it this way. They're not... They're trending in the opposite direction. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it's like Michigan State and Iowa, experienced quarterbacks who are up and down, but assume they will be way up in this game. And then us. Um, And Frank, you know... Scuzz walked us through the horror show of last year, but um, we can hurt this team in multiple ways if if we just are willing to do it. So, I mean, I'm just – I I feel like they have a really good shot at 4-8 and eight here because their schedule is really friendly. Um, but that's all based on, again, a, a potentially very dynamic player in Isaiah Williams. But if the book gets out after the first couple weeks that he just can't throw – I mean, that's that's it. That's any chance they have at close games will go out the window. So, so you know, I, I'm really hoping that Akron um, can go in there and kind of take the dubious title away from us as being the last Big Ten team they beat. Um, sure, love to to wipe our name off their record of of that because that's just you know something I, I don't want to be associated with Northwestern anymore if we can possibly avoid it. <laughs> yeah, what's funny to that end, I. Illinois is one of the teams that I tend to root for or root against, regardless who they're playing. Like we've we've talked a lot of times on the pod in the past how like we do not love other Big Ten teams just because they are in the Big Ten. Um, and Illinois is a team like even in bowl season, like I kind of want them to lose all the time. There's an exception on the schedule this year, and that's Week Four against Nebraska. I I know that they're going to give up. A thousand yards in that game, John. Do you think there's any chance they chance they could also gain a thousand yards and somehow miraculously knock off the Cornhuskers? So we're assuming we're assuming a situation where one team has to win this game, right? That's <laughs> you're presupposing. Um, no, I boy, yeah. Either way, um, one team has to win that game. Um, but realistically, I mean, I I meant everything I said earlier. They are mirror images of each other, and yet I feel like you're going to find out, relatively speaking, how much better of a place Nebraska is in than Illinois in that game. Just because, again, everything Nebraska's bad at, Illinois is so much worse. And the one thing Illinois aspires to be good at, Nebraska already is good at. So, so here's a question. Um, you know, we, we talked about the buyout. What's the likelihood that Lovey Smith is not the head coach of Illinois by the time we see them at the end of the year? Zero. Yeah, I I still think, I mean, I, I was looking at these buyout numbers earlier and like, they're a lot lower, but they still have to shell out like $5 million if they want to buy him out. And uh, I think, I, I think that Illinois blinks, like I think they're going to rope themselves to him for a little bit longer as ludicrous as it is. I mean, between Isaiah Williams and some of these other transfers, you know, that, that the, the offensive lineman from Bama, the wide receiver from USC, like, 
I think there's enough here that that like the, the reality is is what what could Illinois do better? Right? Like <laughs> is that a, re- is that like a rhetorical everything? question? <laughs> no, no, like from a from a who could they hire that would be better than Lovey Smith right now? Anybody? I, like yeah, I mean, no, well, but I mean, pre prior history, uh, you know. Uh, but he's got name recognition recognition in Illinois. He's got the the Super Bowl and all that other sort of stuff. Like, I'm not suggesting he's a good coach, but I'm suggesting that he is a <laughs> a res- <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. He's he's a respected figure in the sense that I don't think people are walking around like crapping on Lovey Smith, the person, like. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, maybe he's mailing it in a little, a little bit in Illinois, but outside of that, right? Like, he's seen as an upstanding dude, and the fact that he is bringing a, a, a reasonably clear increase in talent, as as flawed as that talent may still be, um, like if I'm the Illinois administration and I'm looking at those buyout numbers, like, like there's just no chance. I, I guess I guess the only chance is if Lovey's kind of like yeah you know I'm kind of over this I'm gonna retire I'm not I'm not I I just don't think he would have like he took on the DC responsibilities this year and maybe redoubled his efforts around trying to attract grad transfers like he's still in it in a certain way right and I just I just don't think that he's gonna bail of his own volition and I don't think Illinois has any ground to stand on next year the year after I don't know maybe but. I, I just I just don't see the upside of them doing that this year and going into another coaching search and another tailspin. I mean, I, does Isaiah Williams transfer if they do that? Probably. So I mean, just to touch on you know the point of like Lovey Smith, Lovey Smith's cachet um, in in Illinois, you know, being from the Super Bowl with the Bears, that was in two thousand five. These kids were three years old. That he's recruiting at the time of that Super Bowl. Yeah, but parents, you know. I mean, and to, I mean, this isn't happening in a vacuum. Northwestern football has become a major recruiting destination at the same time, and everything. And and you know, Illinois is always going to appeal. I mean, like, in a lot of extent, you know, they're going to kind of hang their hats on. You know, there's a certain caliber of kid who for academic reasons, you know, is could be in the state of Illinois, but is not going to be recruited by Northwestern. And, you know, when they look at, like, you know, their top echelon talent, that's going to be a place that they start, and then they're going to go for transfers, and they're going to go for wherever else. But, I mean, it's like that's been the pattern through the whole Lovey Smith tenure and through, you know, Tim Beckman and even Ron Zook before that. I mean... So, Sam, your point is very well taken because I don't know who else comes in. Um, I don't know. Like, right, like I I don't know. I mean, you'd have to have, you know, a real exciting young mind, you know, like a Jeff Brom, right? And um, I don't know that had he been available at the time, you know, Illinois' job came open, if that's a job that's even thought the same way as a Purdue job is. Like, I I really do kind of feel like, like – I, I a know, lot of people. The, the Purdue job at that time was, you know, it was a bad. I mean, Purdue was in a bad way at the end of the Daryl Hazel era. They they were on the football front, but they still had sure. you know okay. Matt, pa- sure. Matt Painter, everything going on in basketball, a stable situation. So this is this might be a little bit of a hot take, but like, and John, I'm 
extremely curious your perspective on what I'm about to say because you are much closer to the college admissions world than I in that you you essentially work in that in that space. Um, I feel like Illinois the school is struggling, and it goes back to the time period where. Like their chancellor and their president and the athletic director and the coach were were all basically fired or or, or under the gun or something. Um, but when you step back and you look at the nature of big state colleges across the country, in general, there is a greater demand right now for university than there has been in the past. Right, There are more kids going to college. There are more kids trying to get into college. The Ohio State University has dramatically changed the composition of their student body Wait, do, relative do, 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 to when mean, we were in school. Do you mean the Ohio State University trademark? The? Yeah, Sam, I don't know that you're legally allowed to say that now. You're no, to... no, I do not recognize the trademark. <laughs> I, my my inflection is, um, is uh, I apologize for my inflection I, on that. You know, tra- trademark violation, my man. I mean, like... Outside of athletes, but but still, like Ohio State has, they've dramatically changed the composition of their student body. It is not a place where you can go as a, as a backup anymore. Um, even if you're an in-state Ohio kid, like uh, like back in the day, I you know I, I also know the University of Minnesota has has kind of continued to grow its stature. Um, I don't get the sense that that's true with Illinois, and I and like. I I believe they outside of the buyout situation. I mean, I remember a few years back. It wasn't just the buyout; it was that the University of Illinois didn't have any money. I mean, the, at the all. state of Illinois was completely broke. It might still be. I don't know, but well, I just I feel we, like I, there we is... got the weed money coming in pretty soon. So, oh yes. So <laughs> and hopefully gambling. Hopefully you guys are going to get gambling. Can we make that happen? Yeah. So you know, so kind of in responding to your. Your question, Scuzz. I think, you know, one of the things you see, and and there's kind of a parallel with this with the football program, is that Illinois is a, is a good academic school, and it does have a lot of cachet within... Was? Was for sure. Is it still? Within the state of Illinois. And that's, okay. that's the key thing, yeah. is... I mean, Illinois will be always a draw for a lot of academically minded kids in the state of Illinois. I do not sense that it has that kind of footprint in the rest of Big Ten country when you leave the state of Illinois. I mean, it's thought of as a fine school, but I don't I don't feel like the pull is anything near what like a Wisconsin is is pulling in. Um, And I think that sort of is reflected in the football program, too. But, I mean, Illinois' bread has, has always kind of been buttered that way. But Illinois is not going out of state and bringing in big people. I mean, like, you know, they're going to recruit East St. Louis. They're going to recruit the state of Illinois. Um, and they're going to pull in the best talent that they can. But there's another school in the state that is – that truth – Truth be told, has a much larger national footprint right now, and better facilities. And again, really, there's there's not a heck of a lot of recruiting overlap. Not nearly as much as you'd think. I don't think Northwestern and Illinois are targeting the same kids really right now uh, for football. Every now and then, there are a couple that crosses over, but I just don't think that there's a lot of crossover there. And I think Illinois is going up against you know a lot of state schools and and. I just don't see that Illinois can, you know, 
is in a place right now where they can go to war with Missouri and with Iowa, right? Um, and, you know, even with like a Kentucky or a Tennessee um, or or an Indiana or a Purdue, um, you know, especially like Purdue we talked about earlier, but I mean, it's like, I feel like per- Purdue, what Illinois can, you know, hope for, Purdue can actually like offer you some evidence of and be like, look, we're building this on offense. You can be a part of it, et cetera. So, I mean, and to your point, I don't think Illinois does not have that level of organization right now, academically or athletically, that they can go out and and make a name for themselves nationally and be like, hey, here we are, we're Illinois. Um, And again, like, ultimately, Illinois is the state school of of the state of Illinois, and it still does have that cachet, and kids still want to go to Illinois to study and to a lesser extent to play football, but outside of the state like they they don't have anything else so i mean you're in a position football wise where they are just holding on for dear life to the best they can in state and to to that point maybe lovey's is as good at getting those kids as anyone else is right now there just may not be a better option interesting and i should i should couched my comments and then i'm i'm certainly not trying to crap on illinois the school as as an academic place let's just for for transparency, my parents both went there. My grandfather was a professor there. Like it, especially like in the engineering side on on the sciences side. It 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 was a, it was a great school once, and I I just get the perception that it's it's not that way anymore. And the way the way you describe John that that may be an in state versus out of state thing. That's um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Well, should we go ahead and uh, close the door on the Illini this season, and then? Oh, do, do we do we do we guess wins for them? For all for all we've said, I they've got a, a pretty favorable schedule. Uh, they've got a clear path to four wins, and uh, I don't know. I think I'm going to give them four wins. I just feel like because you sold me just enough on the Isaiah Williams offensive movement to believe that they can put a better product on the field than Rutgers can. Um, that sounds sad to say. Do no one watch that game. Uh, but but I'm gonna give them four. Like like I like I said already, Akron's gonna go in and beat them. So I um I was just looking up Akron in my in my magazine here. I don't know. I don't know that it looks good for Akron. I, um, give me my give me my dreams, my dude. Come on. Yeah. I mean, they got rid of Bowden. They've lost lost a lot of their big players. It would be amazing. It would be amazing. Um. UConn, Eastern Michigan, and Rutgers seem seem pretty solid. I'll, I'll give them four yeah, wins. I, mean, I like if it's not Akron, maybe they surprise somebody. Um, like like they did Minnesota last year. Yep, yep. Um, see, see, that's the thing. I, I mean, mean, they put up fifty five on Minnesota. Like, like if you come to play Illinois and you're not disciplined on defense, in like especially in your run D, or you have an injury on your in your front seven that's like a critical injury in your front seven, like they can do some damage. But when I look at Iowa, Michigan State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Minnesota. They can't win those games. You have to throw to beat those teams. Rutgers, Purdue, Nebraska, that's about it. I I, I will say this. I have a total lack of respect for Rutgers as a football institution. I don't <laughs> you, have you, you don't I, say. I don't just you I don't have any underlying hate for Rutgers. Come on, Rutgers. It's if it's you standing between Illinois and an Ofer in the Big Ten, Rutgers, you can get it done. I believe in you, Scarlet Knights. Oh. I believe. 
Oh boy, I I would take Isaiah Williams over Archer Sikowski. I'm just gonna throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well let's go ahead and leave it there uh, for the Illini. Uh, head to our website westlotpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlotpirates, and email the show westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag. Because we give no quarter, especially before. For John LeCombe and Eric Scasbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.